0: Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, thanks for listening to
1: Driven Radio. You're home for the very best in coronavirus car news. (laughs) Uh, Good Lord, has this been uh, a rough couple of weeks, and uh, we got a few more weeks to get through it, but we will be here for you. We're going to continue to bring you the very best automotive content and interviews and news. And all the good stuff, Uh, I am Brett Hatfield. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mark Groves. Hello. And Corey Pratt of uh, YouTube's Craving Cars. Hey, we've got a ton of news this week. Some of it is virus related. We apologize, but there's some cool stuff going on. We've got a, a really terrific uh, guest this week, Alex Roy, auto journalist, author, Whoa. former Cannonball Run record holder at General Traffic Scoff Law. He'll be here talking to us about his documentary, Apex The Secret Race Across America. And it's a and, secret, uh, so
0: it's going to be a very quiet interview.
1: Uh, well, we're going <laughs> to try cool. really hard to make everything work. <laughs> Courtesy of social distancing, we're having to do this via conference call. Yeah, over the uh, phone.
0: And I'm sitting ooh. here in my own home studio recording right. it. Yeah, How fun yeah, is this? We're, uh, we're, we're
1: coming to you from studios yeah. that are socially distant.
2: <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah, you that's... The socially distant studio is brought to you by the radio show. We've got
1: news on the uh, new CA Corvette. Hennessy. Uh, Hennessey Performance Engineering has already twin-turbocharged one of these. This comes to us from Motor Authority. Uh, Deliveries of the long-awaited 2020 Corvette have already begun, uh, and Hennessey got his early and immediately took it back to Texas and took it apart. Uh, The first step was to do a dyno run from stock, and this is pretty interesting news. Bone stock, uh, factory-fresh, delivered 466 wheel horsepower and 451 wow. pound-feet of torque Hello. now from something wow. that's supposed to be rated at 495 at the flywheel that's pretty good i'm guessing that's a little bit north of 495 that's would chevy lie about horsepower? no no,
0: no. They, they're not like ford <laughs> no <never> <laughs>
1: Never. It was a Z51 package. It was rated at 495 It delivered 466 at the wheel. I can't believe that it lost fewer than 30 horses. So maybe they're a little hotter than advertised. But what Hennessy did is they immediately put a pair of turbos on it and uh, they're working on an intercooler and all the necessary plumbing. Uh, Hennessey is keeping, uh, the exact details of the mods a secret, but a photo released by the company shows a pair of blow-off valves feeding into the stock throttle body. Hennessy also said the upgrade doesn't impede any of the rear trunk functionality. And I think that's probably the coolest part of that. Uh, they didn't cut into the trunk at all, at all. That's and on a rear engine cool car that you're adding turbos to, that's a, that's a pretty neat trick. Uh, Hennessy hasn't mentioned how much the twin turbo car is making on the dyno uh, right now, uh, but the new power and torque levels will be announced shortly. They've got a target of 1,200 horsepower. Woo! 1,200 huh, wow.
0: horsepower. We're
1: looking more to double it. Holy moly. More than double, yeah. Uh, company says they will have milder tunes available also. Uh, they will have a supercharger upgrade with around 700 whores on tap. Company also developing standalone exhaust upgrade that will improve the sound and add a little bump in power. Uh, on an initial run on Monday, the engine made 643 horse and 570 pound feet of torque at the wheels on a Dynojet dyno, running just five pounds of boost. They said the wow. 1,200 horsepower version should make 18 to 20 pounds of boost. That's and, <laughs> and nothing. And using rather monstrous twin 62 millimeter precision turbos and blow off valves, they don't have the intercooler set up yet. There's a methanol injection system uh, in place to keep things from getting too hot. They're still working on the intercoolers because they've got kind of limited space. And they, they promise they won't cut into the trunk. Wow. All right. Well, still take the golf clubs in.
0: You can take it up to Independence here in Missouri for that meth work
1: uh yeah you know, i not, can help with that mouth injection we'll be happy to help you out with your uh, math injection wait that's
0: different yeah, right? so, hey love you independence you know hey it's all i no all uh-huh. Love you. Hey,
1: th- they earned that moniker so there you go <laughs> well
0: that's pretty cool uh ford is doing a nice thing uh i thought this was a great idea for being able to face you know the the uh 2020 corona and um And do something, you know, that still keeps some people working. According to uh, Road & Track, Ford announced that it is partnering with 3M and they're going to manufacture powered air purifying respirators as part of the uh, the COVID-19 response. Now, these respirators are called uh, positive pressure masks as they take contaminated air, pull it through a filter, then push it through a sealed mask using an air blower. That's where really the big thing about Ford comes in, because the air blower is going to come from the F-150, they're uh, apparently they're from the seats, <laughs> seat blower. <laughs> what the hell is a seat blower? By the way, I have never driven a vehicle with a seat blower and I'm really jealous. So uh, uh,
2: he didn't seats and they're, they're kind of nice. Uh, I don't uh, know. I'm, if uh, yeah. I'm assuming it's a for risk. the cooled side. Oh, <laughs> the oh. heated side uses, you know, uh, different things So they're un- assuming it's for the cool. side. they're under this yeah
0: Gotcha. These motors are compact and they run on 12 volts. In the cars, so they be used with a. They can be used with like a battery pack uh, in situations where this uh, respirator will need to be portable. The uh, it's weird because you wouldn't think seat blowers are the first choice, but since they're matched so well, uh, they usually uh, they usually have these types of blowers already in respirators. Now, according to Delta Group, the seat blowers can operate at nine to 16 volts while drying around half an amp. And Ford isn't going to use uh, power tool batteries to operate. Them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's it might be neat. kind of like a DeWalt. Uh, uh, I think it's a DC, DC 9071 12 volt So, if you got one around your house, guess what? You might be able to save a life, <laughs> which is really cool. Uh, the blowers Ooh. only need to run at half speed because so, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to inflate a person. And it's possible that the runtime could last <laughs> up to 10 hours. So, and it's off the shelf power. Oh, absolutely off the shelf. <laughs> okay. So they uh you know they well, let's be honest and it's it's kind of harsh but true, they're not really making a lot of those trucks right now. So they're no. putting this where it's needed. And you know, I got big ass golf yeah. clap on that one cuz uh uh go forward for making that happen.
1: No, uh, absolutely
0: well not uh, you know to add a, another happy story to kind of that maybe just a little competition Elon Musk has donated a thousand ventilators donated to hospitals treating coronavirus in California uh, he's uh now this is from the reports also from & track by the way Uh they're to help treat patients who have been diagnosed. Uh, the ventilators were produced in Tesla factor facilities, which is kind of cool. The whole ventilator. Uh, Ford, you know, is doing the blower motors, and the masks will probably have to be done elsewhere. But Tesla is doing pretty much the whole thing, whole thing using the same tech that goes into their ventilation and air conditioning systems in their cars which is kind of cool. Now, General Motors also is saying they're going to try to uh, use some of their resources to do the same thing. Now, in a report that was published in February by the Center of Health Security at Johns Hopkins, United States currently has about 160,000 ventilators for use in hospitals with a reserves of 8,900. So this at least will kind of help uh, facilitate that. And I'm sure you could actually, you know, buy one for what? Around uh, three, four. Well, you could build one for what? Three, four hundred dollars. And Elon Musk will be selling them for $89,000 each. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: every report we've heard on TV and everything I've read says we are woefully uh, ill-prepared as far as ventilators are concerned for dealing with this. So, good on Ford and Elon Musk. Bro.
0: Yeah, yeah. Golf clap, man. Go. You guys do it. Yeah, yeah. Cool.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, i tell you what. Lamborghini... <clears throat> Has nothing to do with any of the stuff you just talked about, but <laughs> they are recalling the Aventador SVJ because it might trap you inside the car. Are oh, they no. going to help with social distancing? <laughs> yeah, so there, that way you, there's no chance that you can get out and mingle. You're just you're stuck in the car. But it's, it's in a Lamborghini. So it,
0: it's called isolation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> From Road and Track uh, has a little article. According to a recall submitted March 18th. Uh, 26 of the 2020 Aventador SVJ Coupes and roasters are subjected to a premature interior door handle failure. While the exterior door handles and windows aren't susceptible to this problem, it, it well, basically imposes an entrapment risk to anybody who is inside. So, good luck. <laughs> so, if you get in the car without your keys, you're screwed. Yeah, in, in essence. Well, um, but I, I got to wonder, though, I know you can open stuff from the outside, but can you still do it while you're on the inside?
0: I think that's a new Lamborghini marketing technique is that it's the car you never want to leave.
2: Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're making sure that people aren't, you know, they're staying their social distance. You know? Oh, so yeah. like, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: Lamborghini reportedly identified the problem as stemming from an improperly trained worker at the factory. Oh don't figure. The one part that they're letting an Italian do is not improperly trained. Hey, what the hell's <laughs> that What's know. wrong with the Joe? <laughs> Joe, what the hell are you yeah, doing? That's another very funny right, thing. Thing. Put it, put it in the
3: car, man. We're taking the work
2: seriously. <laughs> during, okay, during the assembly, a non-properly trained new operator may have not correctly engaged the cable pin inside the internal door handle. That's basically what Lamborghini is trying to say. So, how, how much, uh, It's a worker, so at least it sounds like an easy fix. How Good. much
0: do these cars cost?
2: Uh, an, an, an Aventador SCJ is probably, what, three fifty to $400,000? Oh, at my least. God. I'd, I'd have to yeah. look it up. But that doesn't
1: sound that far out of line. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's an Italian car, but, but it's because they're owned by the Germans, I'm quite certain they're looking at this guy as we have vans of Triangle.
2: Well, because there is no warning of the NVIDIA failure before it happens, recalled vehicles, they're basically just going to recall them all and replace the interior door handle release mechanism on all of them just because they don't know which one's technically have been done right or not. So better oh, they're wise. gonna handle it. Yeah. 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 Nothing that's yeah, right. So, so uh all the doors you could just be screwed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just drive around with the doors open. You'll be fine. They're, it's an inventador. They're a scissor door, so that way they're not gonna hit anything on the way down. Just some little branches probably. But other than that, you're oh fine. Oh my God. Oopsies. Watch the garage door on your way out. Wow. And of course uh you guys uh have much uh, much time in your hands lately a little couch time have you
0: you know I wish uh, not <laughs> not to whine uh, but I'm gonna uh, <laughs> This work from home thing. I always thought that working from home, honest, and, I, and, or a white and forgive me, I thought working from home was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I'll pet my cat, maybe go jogging, then I'll do a little work, and then I'll do nah, a little. I can't this. go jogging, dude. <laughs> all I do is work all day and into the evening. Oh my god, it's uh, yeah. it's insane right now. Uh, and w- now, granted, that part of that is you know trying to just hold s together um, because it's weird and crazy. With everyone working from home right now, but on the flip side, you you you're never more than a few steps away from your job,
2: and you don't get to punch the clock and go home. Yeah, it's kind of a sucks when you're having to mix uh, work and personal life together in But the same you know location. what?
0: I'm going to try, and I'm going to try soon because my little uh, uh, two-person recliner is calling. It's calling me.
2: I hear loud clear. Well, why do you ask? Well. Well, if you're suffering with a little couch time, uh, what we have here is a little best car shows and movies on Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, and more. A little story by Autoblog here. Uh, We have some automotive entertainment to keep you busy if you're not one that can get out of the house. So uh, being shut indoors, of course, due to all this uh, crazy stuff going on will obviously leave you some time to catch up on your movie, TV shows, lists, documentaries, whatever it is that you're into. I'm sure everybody has a list of things that they're trying to get to series. They're trying to binge watch. Now's the time to do it, I guess. Uh, and we have a little bit, a little bit, actually a decent little list here of all car related uh, TV shows, movies, documentaries from Netflix, Hulu, prime video, HBO, Disney plus, and even a, you know, a few stuff from YouTube. Oh, cool. Like what? Like craving cars. You should go to craving cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like craving cars. That's right. <laughs> so, like so, here we go. We've we've got all stuff. So we let's uh let's start with the big dog. Let's go to Netflix here. You thought I was gonna say Craving Cars, at the end. Okay. Um, TV shows. We got the Formula One Drive to Survive, West Coast Customs, Fastest Car, Car Masters, Rust to Riches, uh, Hyperdrive, Rust Valley Restorers, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, uh, Highway Through Hell, uh, Outback Truckers. Have any of you guys seen seen these? I have. No.
0: Uh, There's one that I saw, Rust Valley Restorers. I watched it all the way through. There's only one season, and I think it's only going to be one season. Uh, Imagine Sammy Hagar, only taller and more Canadian, and he has... (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I I can't drive a boat
2: 55. Canadian Hagar.
0: Hagar. Okay. Uh, So this dude, (laughs) um, or even Twisted Sister, the lead singer for that, looks kind of like their baby. He... um, has a large junkyard of rusty vehicles, and so he's trying to sell them and trying to move stuff and you know have a bunch of people working for him and just trying to move it. And he loves these cars and there's all this fake drama. And at the end, the the sob sells the entire yard to some guy, oh, wow. some guy down the road. And I can't. I rode that thing all the way through because some of the cars were kind of interesting and in what they do with them. And you know, there's there's the fake drama, but uh, yeah, all right, I can deal with that. But then at the end, it's like, you know what? Okay, it's a deal. Let's sell this whole thing. Oh, BS. No. You just totally lied to me. I'm trying to believe <laughs> you. You just, I'm, I'm breaking up with you.
2: Because <laughs> you are nice. such a liar. Well, on the Netflix movie side, uh-huh. uh, we've got a few things like. Uh, Got Paul Hollywood's big Continental road trip, uh, up beneath the Willie T ribs story. Yeah, that's drive. Dr- A documentary, uh, uh the I Willie T ribs is, is yeah.
1: excellent. Uh, that's an Adam Carolla one, and mm. so is the uh, Shelby American that's also on. The list. <sighs> yes. both of those are really great. And twenty four hour yeah, Shelby
2: America is good drive. Uh, twenty four hour war. Uh, that's interesting if you're into the twenty four hour racing. So that's a, that's actually a pretty cool deal. Now I will mention this one for sure because we're going to talk a little bit about the people who do this, but Apex, the story of the hypercar that's on Netflix. Of course, we're going to talk about Apex, uh, a different one. They put a great documentary. They, they do a great job.
0: Hey, Brad, you, yeah, I remember sure. you mentioning earlier this week something about Uppity, the Willie T. Ribbs story. What, what the heck is that? Because it starts with the word Uppity, and I'm like, what is this about? Because I have not seen it at all. Uh, Willie T. Ribbs was
1: the first uh, black man to drive at Indy.
0: It must have and quite again, a story. This is,
1: this is from the no. family of documentaries that Adam Carolla did. 24 Hour War is uh, the documentary version of Ford V Ferrari, and also Shelby American and Uppity. Uh, those are all uh, Adam Carolla productions. They did a great job.
0: You know, I watched so Shelby a American. Big car guy, so yeah. Oh, Yeah. And he did a great job of storytelling with Shelby American. That That's what really kind of turned me on because I, I thought Shelby's were cool. And then I watched that. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much more. To now this. Yeah. Now
2: yeah. you're a, a bigger fan now, aren't
0: you? Oh, yeah. And th- and that actually helped lead me into watching Ford versus Ferrari over the past weekend. And I'm just like, oh, damn, I'm okay. in. All right.
2: And congrats for getting that movie uh, marked off your list. So <laughs> Thank you. I'm a big boy now. Now, YouTube has a few things, too. They have, I don't know... Uh, a lot of people out there may not know this or not, but YouTube's pushing a lot of things as well doing their own content. So they have TV shows and movies, uh, like they have their TV show, The Road to Le Mans, uh, and they have movies like uh, The Battle of the Falcons, uh, 12 O'Clock Boys, uh, Truth in 24. Is that number two? Is that Truth in 24 Four Two? Yes, it is. Is that, is that a sequel? Okay.
0: Oh, and get the, and- get the tagline, every second counts.
2: Is yeah, true, th- yeah two? and it does. You know, Back in the day, they didn't count the seconds. They only counted the minutes. And to be honest, in racing, every second does count. Uh, um, the 12 O'Clock Boys, another
1: really great documentary, is about uh, uh, kids in underprivileged neighborhoods who somehow manage to get their hands on some kind of dirt bike or four wheeler, and they ride them on the streets and spend their time trying to run from
2: cops. <laughs> Interesting We've got uh, Hunt vs. Lauda And to be honest, I've seen that multiple times I really like that one a lot actually um, Documentary between uh, Late 70s um, Formula 1
1: James Hunt and so, Nikki Lauda They made yep. a, a movie out of that a few years ago Called Rush that was also yep. very
2: good Yep, yep, yep And it's kind of cool, I, I recommend people watch Hunt vs. Lauda before they watch Rush I mean there's obviously movies they tend to change things but uh, But they did a pretty good job on the movie as well we have crash and burn and we have uh ronin i don't know what that is uh it's a movie it, with one of the
1: uh, probably second best car chase of any movie out there oh you know, oh
2: there's i know what that is never mind i feel stupid now isn't Thank that God. a keanu reeves movie where he's like a kung fu dude
0: no that's 47 ronin oh. that was awful sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> my bad thanks mark well, ACO's uh, got a handful of movies also. Uh what, are they, what do they got, Brett? A- including some uh Fast and Furious stuff. And they have Rush, which is the Hunt of movie. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus just has a bunch of stuff they made. The cars cartoons, all three of those, and all the Herbie, the Love Bug movies. Oh my god, uh, all the Herbies? Uh, all 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 the the herpes that did not uh, age like
0: a fine wine but you know
1: (laughs) it's kind of cute no but i'll go back and watch them just uh (laughs) just for nostalgia's sake anyway lots of great stuff to watch and uh keep you busy Corey. thank you for all of that uh coming up we've got alex roy he's going to be with us he's an auto journalist author uh Ball 3000, a bull run competitor, a cannonball run record holder, and general traffic scoff law. He's also the editor-at-large of The Drive, uh, founder and co-host of the Autonicast, and uh, that's a podcast focused on the future of transportation. This guy's got a really, really deep resume and uh, is a consummate car guy. We'll have him here coming up next on Driven Radio.
0: As part of Driven Radio Show, you know, we get to talk to some of the coolest people that do really cool car stuff. And recently we've had chances to talk with uh, Tim McCarthy from Hushmat and it's a, it's a local company here in Olathe and they do some of the coolest stuff for being able to what uh you know make your car a little quieter or a lot quieter and also to keep the heat from cooking your feet and you guys you guys have had experience with it
1: oh absolutely Rhonda and i uh redid the interior on a 92 corvette convertible she had and we lined it with hush mat when we did it and that made a huge difference cutting down on the sound in that car and those uh, those 4th gen Corvettes also have a fair amount of heat that comes up through the transmission tunnel. Alarm. And it, it made a world of difference in that car. Uh, it was so much quieter and so much more pleasant to spend time in.
0: So you were able to like oh, it, have a conversation it, 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 without sweating. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Able to have a conversation without, uh, Shouting at the top of your lungs, and also able to drive the thing on long trips without having to take airplanes. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how about you, Corey? You've had experience with Hushmat too.
2: Yeah, as a matter of fact, it, it was it's kind of like one of those things. So I, you know, I had I didn't have as cool as a car as a Corvette, but I had a <laughs> Nissan, of course. And it is like the panels in that car just seemed hollow, and so noise transferred really well through the car, which you don't want that when it went quiet i lined it through the trunk and then the doors and it was amazing even how much more solid the doors felt when they shut you know if you were to knock on the actual like sheet metal on the outside of the car it actually sounded like it had some thickness to it and for the ones who like to put stereo systems in the car it really helps emphasize the sound a heck of a lot better without rattling your car apart oh really really cool stuff
0: You know, there is that because uh, I've heard the difference between a car door, not mine, obviously, because I'm still looking for my unicorn, (laughs) but a car door slammed with it and without it. And it is really surprising how with some hush mat lined into that car door, it's quieter. It sounds cooler. Uh, And hey, right now, if you go to hushmat.com, they have a promo code called USA Made. You can save 25% off and get free shipping. On all Hushmat products. We're going to have to have. Uh, Oregon. Oh, dude. We're going to have to have Tim McCarthy on at some point because I really want to peg him. You know, I, I like all the weird old cars. You guys like really cool old cars. And between the three of us, I'm sure that we're going to be able to find a way to uh, find a car that he can't do. They have what? What was it at last <laughs> count? 350,000 different They've vehicles. They got a oh. ton. Free shipping almost makes me wish I lived farther
2: away. <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to know I got my
0: money's worth. <laughs> just take advantage. Right. So that's hushmat.com, uh, American-made, and uh, promo code USA MADE. When you go onto their website, you'll get 25% off and free shipping on all all Hushmat products. Stop on by. We've got two people here, uh, the three in the show who have had direct experience and love the stuff, and you will too. So go check out Hushman. I won't use anything else. Segment two of Driven Radio Show is coming up next.
1: Uh, welcome back to Driven Radio. Ooh, we've got a, a fantastic guest with us uh, this week, Alex Roy has been living the car guy dream. He's an auto journalist, author, Gumball 3000, a bull run competitor, uh, cannonball run record holder, and general traffic scofflaw. Alex is the editor-at-large of The Drive, founder and co-host of The Autonicast, a podcast focused on the future of transportation. Uh, The founder and co-host of uh, Drive Network on NBC Sports. And in March of 2018, Roy published uh, uh, the Human Driving Manifesto, launching the Human Driving Association, of which I am a member. Uh, <laughs> and it, God, you just done everything. Alex, thanks for being with us on Driven Radio.
3: Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, also, nice to see Corey from Craven Cars, man. Thanks. Nice to see you. <laughs>
1: yeah, you too. Uh, um, you're a lifelong car guy, and you had a car guy for a dad. Uh, can you tell us the story about your, your father's lost
3: 9-11? Uh, so, um, <laughs> well, actually, the, the, a story that I don't tell, which precedes the lost 9-11, um, is that you know, he, he was an importer of Porsche, uh, Tatra, Simca, Renault Peugeot Citroën. Starting in the, 50s, <laughs> which is I mean that that's a masochistic wow. right, choice of <laughs> brands, and, and so he imported all these cars. And through the sixties, uh, he had he owned every. He didn't really have a house. Like at one point, well into his thirties, he was and forties living on his parents' couch in uh, <laughs> Upper West Side of Manhattan. But he always owned a Porsche or a Ferrari or something interesting. Wow,
1: priorities.
3: And, yeah, and so. Uh, uh, He um, always had a car. He'd swap it out every six months. And when I was born, I was brought home in a 1970 or 71 uh, 911 Targa with the, I think it was called Manumatic. It wasn't like a, it was a clutchless automatic. Uh, It was like a clutchless manual. I don't, I don't, it was, it didn't, it was not a popular option my father had. Anyway, so uh, he, my mother insisted he get rid of it. And in 1976, when my brother was born, my father decided he was going to have his last hurrah. So, he ordered a Mercedes 6.9 Ooh. as the family car Ooh. and a 911 uh, Targa. Oh. So, the 6.9 arrived. 911 arrived. He had a, bought a house in LA. And at the last minute, my mother decided she doesn't want to live in LA because she thought it sucked. So, he... <laughs> He uh, actually did not take delivery of the six point nine. It arrived at the dealer, and the nine eleven had arrived. It was white, uh, with a, you know black interior, and so he he, he thought she was going to change her mind. So he looked for a friend or someone he could trust not to, to to hoon it, to take possession temporarily until she changed her mind, and he could not trust anyone he knew. So he asked the husband of a friend of hers from. Lama's class, which is, you know, breathing class. And this man, who shall remain nameless, seemed to be nice and trustworthy and worked for the University of California school system. It seemed like he would he'd be fine with it. So he took the car, and that was 1977. And so 23 years later, when my father was on his deathbed, we're going over his will. He says, uh... Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's everything in my will. But I think there's this car. I'm like, what is it? He's like, it's a 911 Targa. It's probably worthless. No one wants it. It was a a shitty year. Nobody wants it. The water-cooled models have come out. Those things are probably great. Um, You got to track down this car. You got to find the car. And uh, I'm like, well, it probably is. Nobody cares. And by the way, this is 1999. So, no yeah. one was craving mid-70s 911s. I mean, everyone, I mean, not everyone, not me, but a lot of people thought that those cars just really were worthless. So, he says, look, track down the car, here's the guy's name, he lives in LA, and I made a deal with him that if he turned it over and put a few miles on it and kept the mileage low, that that... Uh, I'd be very happy with that. I'd be fine. So if he has kept his word, he can keep the car. But he, if he's put a lot of miles on it, I want you to sue him. <laughs> so, uh, so I track down the guy. I call him. And, of course, it's got no mileage on it and it's worth actually an okay amount of money but i'm like ah whatever so the guy gets to keep it that was you know 20 years ago and that is one of the greatest mistakes my father ever made oh my god <laughs> and that i ever made <laughs> cuz today that car or maybe before coronavirus um, that car probably worth a lot of money before you know values tanked but you know all those cars are you know got blown up in value by bring a trailer and petrolicious oh yeah sites and I mean, that's a cool car, but not worth the, the, the kind of dollar figures that have been going around for the last five to ten years.
0: Oh, Isn't hush it? your mouth. Of course it's worth it. It's worth every oh, dime. Course. It's <laughs> worth twice that. And if you could buy it now, it would be, you know, what a deal you'd get if you bought that from you right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, the thing from right now. So I own, uh, so subsequent to that, he bought in 1987, he bought a black uh, on tan 911 Targa, mm. and my mother then complained about that. So that car went away, and when he died, I, I went and tracked down that car, and I bought it back. That's cool. For, I think $15,000 with oh. a- 89,000 miles on it. Wow. And I still own it today. It's got 140,000 miles on it. Perfect yeah, and condition. it's worth three times
1: that money.
3: I think it's probably worth eight forty, maybe. I mean, it's got a lot of a lot of miles, but it's perfect. Um, yeah. it's perfect. don't hear G
1: body though, G fifty yeah.
3: transmission. Uh, that it's a, it's a great, great, great car. I um, have a horrible
0: story. Uh, in nineteen ninety three uh, or early ninety four, uh, I was living in Columbia, Missouri, and I at the time I didn't have two nickels to rub together, but uh, the crap. Fantastic vehicle I was driving at the time a 77 LtD just died on me and I I had to get a new vehicle the choice was between it was in 1984 Porsche and and I believe it was in 89 uh, What no it was in 91 yeah 84 Porsche or a night that was you know a turd brown but the, it was really good condition or a uh, oh god I, this is a horrible a 91 geo storm. I bought this, <laughs> I bought the storm. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> well, you know what? I put 194,000 miles on wow. that stupid storm. The only thing that didn't smell bad about it was the, you know, the air when you got out of it, but, uh, the, <laughs> the car was, it made it. And, and I still regret it to this day that I didn't get that Porsche. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Alex, You've raced in high speed long distance events all over the world, often disguised as as cops <laughs> police from other yeah. countries uh, Have you ever been stopped for impersonating uh police
3: um, I never was charged with impersonation <laughs> um, alleged uh, yeah. no no <laughs> i i could, I know for a fact i no no charge of that. Uh, because in 2002, you know, when I was planning to go on my first Gumball 3000, you know the internet you know, was pretty young back then, so research of anything was not like it is today. And I could not find any evidence that anyone had ever gone on an underground race or street race or any cannonball event or anything dressed like a police officer. The only example in history that I was aware of was in the Gumball Rally film from 1976. Yeah. And their uniforms were not that great, and they had the magnetic uh, you know, panels for the sides of the doors. And I'm like, you know, I could do that. Now, at the time, I thought that the Gumball 3000 might legitimately have a time component. And I really believe that there were people legitimately racing with, and, and tracking and doing stuff. And I thought that you know I, I couldn't afford a big car like one of like a supercar, and I just didn't really know what I was doing. But it seemed that my minor pre-law study suggested <laughs> that I could not find a law anywhere su- that uh, that it was suggesting it was illegal to impersonate a foreign police officer, and so <laughs> assuming a uniform was sufficiently different from an American <laughs> uniform and that the car livery was clearly not American. So I decided to to look at you know German police cars because it seemed funny because, I mean, German, did the Germans ever stop people for speeding? They send you tickets. But they don't stop you. So I thought, you know, what would be more ironic and funny? So I will deliberately make the German, I'll misspell it. So if even if an American officer thinks that we're being serious, we're not. That's my defense. <laughs> and let's make the uniforms just ridiculous. At the last minute, I chickened out and did not wear the full uniform, but we did put the polizei on the side of of this car. And I and so I bought. I had a used two thousand BMW M five that I'd bought used, and which looked nothing like a German police car, which they're green and white. My car was blue, <laughs> and we went. And a lot of people were like, what are you doing in this German police car? Uh, the big leap <laughs> forward was when I went and bought all the uniform gear of an NYPD Highway Patrolman. And I oh, st- wow. I stood in my apartment like a twisted, disgusting swinger, trying it on. <laughs> and alone, alone in the bedroom with a full-length mirror, trying it on. Like like I mean, it's like oh I was all I was missing was like Viagra and so like some like chlorophyll. I <laughs> I'm and I looked at myself and I'm like, you know, I, I don't I just don't believe anyone's gonna believe this, but let's give it a shot. So I, I went, I left my apartment in the East Village and I walked across the street to the pizza place. I'm like, let's hope no real police officers are getting pizza tonight. And I go in there. Have you ever seen the SNL skit where Eddie Murphy goes in white face on the bus?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And everyone
3: gives him free stuff. And then he goes to the bank and they just give him the free money. I go to the pizza place. I'm like, Oh, can I get two slices? They're like, Oh yeah, no problem. I pull out my wallet. They're like, no, 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 it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I, 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 I'm like, all right. So I went home, I took off the uniform. And then uh, a few weeks later we flew to, to Paris. And drove from Paris to North to Morocco with those uniforms. My copilot and I, uh, and then we also had uh, Canadian Mountie uniforms. And um, <laughs> and it turned out that they were both the Mountie uniforms were too uh, too hot. They were so un- un- uncomfortable. Got them on eBay. But the NYPD gear we were wearing it, and a guy named Torquenstein was a famous gumball rally driver. He, he, this is 2004, he had one of the most spectacular crashes. He flipped his, like, 03 Dodge Viper. He flipped it in the oh, desert, God. like 100 miles an hour, in oh. the air, end over end, into the sand. And we arrived maybe 10 minutes after the crash, and then the Moroccan police arrived. And they said, <laughs> they said oh, thank goodness you're here, NYPD, so professional. Your investigation (laughs) skills (laughs) greatly appreciate. Oh no! uh, Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I like the uniforms. It's if I had had the balls when I was younger, I I should have just gone to the law enforcement. But I (laughs) did.
1: All right. A follow. A follow-up question. (laughs) Have you ever been asked about the blow-up doll?
3: Uh, well, I mean, Whoa. you know, I, um, uh, yeah, um, so I do, <laughs> I, I was partners at a nightclub in New York. I still am, which is a very bad reputation. It's called The Box. So anyone who's been there, and many people who haven't know the place is disgusting. And <laughs> it's famous for having like a, um, I, I know this is not, this is, this is a politically correct show. No, say anything, please. Right. Any damn so, thing you want. I don't know. If, is the is um, what? I don't know if, the, if, if a little person. I don't know what the like the medically correct term is, but they have two little people. They might be dwarves um, impersonators of Michael Jackson and Britney Spears. Oh, wow, My
2: Lord. Yeah. Oh. They have
3: a live sex show. Oh, that's a and hell of so, a
2: start.
3: <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, if anyone who knows me knows that story. To so then they're like oh, the blow up dolls like you know just you know totally fine like you know that's totally innocent <laughs> uh, we, brought, we brought the blow up dolls in the fake police car on the assumption that if a, that if we were pulled over that our fake uniforms might not be enough to get us out of the ticket, but that the blow up dolls would be like our defense so we 're clearly not police officers we've got a blow up doll, and the officer <laughs> Every officer who ever pulled us over and saw the blow-up was totally cool with it and, and realized we were having, just, you know, having fun. So,
1: I was waiting for you to say you were telling the cops you were chasing a cross-country sex fiend.
3: No, no. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. When you're in a, in a police uniform and you're pulled over for speeding, your personal sense of humor evaporates. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, like like whatever jokes like you have ready to go are just gone from your body.
0: Yeah, suddenly it's just <laughs> and, not that <laughs> funny.
3: Yeah. And, and then um, you you're relying on the absurdity of whatever else is around. It's a blow up doll. Maybe it's like stacks of donut boxes or <laughs> misspelled stuff on the side of the car. Whatever, but you do not want to test your metal against that officer's, you know, what kind of day he's having. Um, yeah. So,
1: uh, so, uh, a lot of cops are car guys too. Yes. Uh, some have a sense of humor, some don't, uh, when on a rally or a record attempt, what's the worst law enforcement interaction you've ever had and uh, what was the
3: best? So most of my interactions with police have been very positive. Um, now uh, again, I I don't I try to stay above politics. However, you cannot deny that a guy as white as me has gotten away with shit you wouldn't believe. <laughs> like, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> how I look because I do look like the kind of guy who you know who's probably who might be a police officer. So um, I'm sure that my privilege because that is absolutely anyone who could afford to go in the gumball three thousand, which is. Mostly jerks, and I'm I'm one of them. Um, (laughs) Has a lot of privilege, so uh, because they could afford to get out of something really bad, and and in my case, I could afford a lawyer in the event something went really south. And I was one of the poorer guys doing this, Um, and I was comfortable. So um, the best interaction—I mean, they mostly were very good. Um, The best one is one that can be seen on YouTube. Was uh, we're driving a fake spanish police car um still the bmw it still had new york plates but it had spanish police livery on it and we're in full uniform like the yellow emergency shirts like everything <laughs> and we're in we're in italy and this uh, i could really go i can go all out here right this this fucking cocksmoker this guy in a mercedes <laughs> in a mclaren mclaren slr like just a jerk i I won't use his name but he's a famous jerk i mean one of these guys (laughs) unlimited cash and he had like like a spare car and like a a semi with spare parts and like the spirit of this is like the spirit is if you break down you fix it like you've got it's on you and so this guy is like unlimited cash um um he uh paid like he his, his mclaren slr broke down like every day and he had mercedes and mclaren like fly technicians to the hotel and to fix the car and the next and every day we were in the lead because we had police lights and sirens and i speak some french and italian and we were just clearing people out of the way we were, we were really doing well in this meaningless irrelevant <laughs> un, untimed race um but we were you know coming in the checkpoints first and so he paid, I guess he lined up some cabs in Florence, in Florence, but no, we were in Rome. He, he paid some cab cabs to block us leaving the hotel in the morning. Oh, that's a oh. crap. Move. So he took off. Well, you know, there really, there are no rules and I've done dirtier stuff. So he <laughs> takes off. <laughs> Florence. <laughs> wow. He goes, yeah. He goes to Florence. He gets the Piazza Michelangelo, which is a famous, Location over, uh, overlooking the city. It's beautiful, and and we arrive like minutes after he gets there, and he takes off, and so we pull out. We have to drive to to drive to Monaco, and so we pull out and instantly are stopped by uh, Italian state police. So this is um, it's not. I guess it's like equivalent of like state police in the United States, kind of in Italy you have a local police, polizia, then mm-hmm. you have polizia di stato, the state police, then you have carabinieri, which is like military police, and so you have polizia stradale, which is highway patrol, and not one of these, pe- not one of these people give a shit about speeding. So home, yeah. So they, they had they were in a Subaru Legacy wagon, two point five. manual and there was two guys and a girl and they were really funny and i'm like so if you go to youtube and you look up um alex roy uh gumball you will see one of the craziest video one of the craziest videos of of my life so these people they're like where are you going and i'm like uh Ah. we need gas and so they turn on their sirens and lead us through florence at well more than a hundred miles an hour through crowds of pedestrians uh, oh. down one way streets <laughs> for like 20 minutes. They did stuff. No gumballer would ever do. And if they were not police, they would be in prison for 20 years. And, um, and that by far was the best interaction I ever had with law <laughs> enforcement. I, I can't believe the video is just unbelievable and it's, it's, you know, it's still there. Um, and the worst it's hard to say. Generally the Belgian police are the are the, the most unpleasant. Um just just really it's it's a weird country. And I mean if you look at the history of um of like serial killers and molesters who have like a bunker and like they like they like like they, they hide their own like daughter in the basement and then have kids with a the daughter, they're always from Belgium. Like I don't know why. <laughs> it's like and so <laughs> and, and the police are equally strange and strict for no reason. Wow, it's it's totally bizarre. But the the history of good interactions with the police is a lot longer than the negative ones, um, much much longer. And now I I I probably have as many friends in, among law enforcement as I do among uh, people in the car community. So, and oh, I can, we could do a whole show just me telling stories about. Uh, those police officers.
0: I'm so, okay, I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> um, if, I, I, if I may give a
3: shout-out, there's an organization called the Cannonball Memorial Run, and this is a yep. bunch of cops who are fans of the Cannonball movie. Uh, there's a guy named John Bannis and Jason Hendricks, and they're sergeants in the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department. And these are good dudes, um, and they do an event every year where they invite people like myself and Ed Bolian from Vinwicki to join them to drive cross-country and visit departments that have lost officers to donate money to the families of the widows, uh, to the widows of the fallen officers. These are great guys. They're car lovers They're car guys. You should get Jason Hendricks to come on your show. The I've seen the
1: videos of you and Ed doing the trip with these guys. And yeah. I just thought it was fantastic.
3: I'm telling you, Jay Sergeant Hendricks will come on your show. He's a good dude. Uh, he's hilarious. I mean, he's been through it all. He's been shot like eight times. He's, he's, oh cars, he's got a Mustang, like fully tricked out. He is like, he is one of us, man. This is like, I'll connect you guys and you should get him on the show.
1: Absolutely. So when you're planning uh, a cannonball type, uh, a high speed cross country run, uh, the first question you probably get asked uh, more than anything, and probably the most aggravating question, is always why. Uh, I think a much better question is how. (laughs) <laughs> How do you prep your car for the run? Uh, was there ever any time you, you questioned the sanity of what you were doing? Uh, it, can you get into that for a little bit? Yeah,
3: I mean, uh, the why changes all the time. Uh, the short version is ego. Prove something. I'm the best. Um, everyone's drilled. We're, we're all you know, products of a like Darwinian evolution and you know, competitive creatures, and <laughs> we're Americans. Americans are competitive people. Among the, I mean, all humans are competitive. It's biological, but Americans are a very competitive society, and so um, it's in our blood. Uh, and also, I had a chip on my shoulder. I have a bad, I have a bad personality. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, no, I was filled with superficial cravings, greed, and lusts as a kid. Uh, I, I went. I to, told you he was our kind of guy. Yeah, Honesty. I went to a private school. So good, world. it's so tasty. <laughs> No, I will. All this I did because I had like the worst personality. My my parents came to America with nothing, saved up their whole lives to send me to the best schools, and where, but they were they remained modest people. So I grew up in a school. Everyone else has got a BMW or a you know, really nice car. I don't have a car. So I I came to really resent materialism and I hate it. And yet I was very comfortable. And so when my father died, I'm like, fuck it. I am absolutely going to spend an unlimited amount of money to do something in a car that those people don't have the balls to do. And, um, and so it's <laughs> funny that years later, I get painted as like one of those like, you know like, dudes who has unlimited cash, does whatever he wants, because like, I always thought I stood against that, because um, those people do, usually don't have the balls to go out and do a really hard stuff.
1: Like, but I feel like I, they have too much at yeah. risk.
3: Yeah. Uh, and so that's why, um, gentlemen racers, you know, they'll pay some other guy to team up with them and go to the track. And that's about it as far as they go in a car. Um, but if, it, but that's why the guys who do like, um, Baja in and Baja 1000 and like the more affordable classes are to me, mo- really tough drivers. Really? Like I respect that. I did it once. and That was really hard. And I, and I did a partial season at grand M. I couldn't re- barely afford to do it. And I'm like, most of these guys, I'm just not, I mean, they're the, the pro drivers and the instructors, I respect them, but the gentleman drivers, I don't give a shit about these people. <laughs> so the cannonball, uh, all these gumballers, it's like they're big, big dollars, a lot of money, but not really interested in doing any real driving. Like they just want to show off the cars. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm like the cannonball, I'm going to do that. My dad wanted to do the cannonball. He didn't. I'm like, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, Throw the sink. I'm gonna throw the k- ten kitchen sinks at it because I had no idea <laughs> if it was possible. And you know, Brock Yates said in his book in 2002 that it couldn't be done. It was impossible. Like no one would ever do it again in under 38 hours. And Yates is the master. And Brock Yates. You know, for anyone who doesn't know, Car and Driver editor, um, Godfather of the Cannonball Run, the modern race. The Absolutely. Second. So, um, and an interesting guy. Very libertarian. Uh, politically like all over the map an interesting guy so uh, I had no idea in 2005 and six or five thousand five if it could be done so I you know I threw everything at it and spent months looking at the maps you know re- driving cross country practicing I had a friend who had who rented who had a pilot's license so he rented a plane um, he volunteered to fly it if I pay for the fuel, which actually was not that expensive. And that was good. The, the thing that was really the, the, the how, um, I, because I didn't know what was involved, I assumed that we were required like an astronomical amount of research into the maps and the police locations in advance. Um, you know, Google Maps barely existed. Um, Google Earth did. <laughs> and Waze did not exist. Radar detectors. The Valentine one was still the state of the art. Uh, there were no connected apps. I still had a BlackBerry.
1: And, <laughs> oh, Sexy. Yeah, oh,
3: yeah, this is fifteen <laughs> years ago. So people, we were like right in between the era of analog cannonball, which like was like the seventies through the nineties. We were just on the cusp of what's going on today. So the record was thirty-two hours and seven minutes, and. Uh, we thought that maybe it was breakable and we came and we did uh 34 hours and 46 minutes on a practice run and when we did that i'm like That's you know something bad. it was it seemed pretty quick i'm like you know if we could do that um without a fuel cell then 31 32 is maybe possible maybe 30 and that 30 hours was considered by all the people in the 70s to be like the holy grail unbreakable and yeah, 30 hours, like maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. the four-minute mile, like, you know, for like 100 yeah. years, said no one would break a four-minute mile, that the, uh, the human body would, like, explode, and the guy would die if you, if you try to run a four-minute mile. But Roger Bannister, like 1954, did it. And uh, as soon as he did it, hundreds of people did it. It was a <laughs> mental barrier. So the, that, that is really the how. It was a, lo- a lot of psychology, a lot of planning. Now,
1: how did you select the car?
3: In 02, in O one, I looked, started looking for a car. In O two, the Gumball 3000 was leaving New York City for LA, and I watched them leave, and I was like, you know, maybe a Cadillac Escalade with a fuel cell is the thing, and I saw a lot of cars go, and I, and I was like, God, these people... None of them have fuel cells. They're not thinking clearly. And then I saw one of the cars was a sedan with a camera person in the back. And it occurred to me that no, that if you were going to do this, that no one would believe you. Because most people are full of shit. Just (laughs) in life. (laughs) Words to live by. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) like most people I know who are very wealthy, um, lucked into it. They inherited money. They did. They were in the right place, at the right time. There are a few like no one becomes a billionaire by accident. But in between, like normal people and billionaires, are a lot of folks, right place, right time, and uh, and so it occurred to me that and the 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 stories we hear of success are often like I think just like the roulette wheel of life. Hit this guy, and the story they tell is I'm just not buying it. Um, because a lot of people go through hard times, um, even successful people. Like I believe those folks. They tell me something went wrong, and they learn a lesson. So I'm like, you know, something. No one is going to believe that some bald guy, who's you know, who inherited some money, <laughs> <laughs> likes dressing like a cop. and gets free for free
0: pizza. you know, foreign cops.
3: Yeah, yeah. Is is a faster driver than Dan Gurney and Brock Yates? well, why would it, why would anyone believe that? I wouldn't believe it. So I'm like, we need to bring a camera person in the back, maybe, and maybe a third party witness. We need to pile up the, the, the evidence. Cause you can't go to the Guinness book or the New York times and say, I did this. And so I'm like, we need a sedan. Um, and uh, also sedans are cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <that> was <it>. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Yeah. So that was it. I'm like, uh, I, I, my, as a kid, I dreamt of owning an M five, like the E 34 M five. Yeah. 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 And I saw Ronin. and I'm like, this is it. Uh, I'm going to find a used one. I bought it, took it through all the gumballs and then that became the car we took cross country.
1: So cool. do you have any advice for somebody who's considering this kind of lunatic run?
3: Well, um, mm-hmm. the first one is uh, that, and this has been proven twice. Ed Bolian who broke my record, and then um, recently Arnie Toman, yeah. and Doug Tabbit, who broke Bolian's record. We had a, an absolutely unbelievable time of twenty seven twenty five. So the first, yeah, thing, Th-
1: that's remarkable.
3: All right, so the, yeah. and this is an interesting lesson. Most of the people who set such records have families. Which would seem counterintuitive, but there's something. I didn't have one at the time, but I had things to live for. I had a family, I had relatives, I had a business. Um, having something to live for, I think gives some judgment. Sure. Like one can say it's dangerous to drive cross country to 150 miles an hour, but there's many different ways to drive hundred and fifty miles an hour. You could just you can drive through a crowd, you can drive on the shoulder, you can do you can be a complete you can be the worst person in the world, or you can drive 150 on a day of the year when there's no people on the road. <laughs> and you can pick a route, which is optimized for those speeds. And you're like, and then if you work backwards from, all right, I'm going to do this, but I want to do it as professionally as possible, then you start walking backwards into the tire type, the car type, the fuel cell type, the, the weather, um, the optics, who's your co-driver. And someone who is 20 versus, you know, and a single, someone to prove versus someone who is 40, who's got a kid at home, they're both crazy to want to do it, but that 40-year-old is going to make very different choices. Sure. Um, and also, it's not about the money because if a lot of people who have a lot of money who spend on the wrong things, um, you can't hire someone to be your co-driver. You have to find them. You have to trust who, them and they have to
1: trust who you. Who wants to do it.
3: Who wants oh, yeah. to do it. Yep. And my yeah. co driver, Dave, when I was interviewing co drivers, he said to me, I said, Why should I take you? And he said something and he worked in finance and I didn't really understand him. I didn't know if I even liked him when I met him. But he said something to me that made me like <laughs> love him and I love him to this day. He said he wants something money can't buy. He wants to go back to the he wants to go back to the office on Monday. All these bankers and he wants something that, he didn't buy it. They can't buy it. They can't take it from him and they can't buy it a better one.
1: That's a great answer. It's, that is a, the,
3: be- it's the best answer in the world.
1: That, yes. Um, that's a great it, answer.
3: Yeah. And yes. that's character, man. That's like, that stands for something for me that changed my life. And uh, he changed my life. So,
1: you know, we had uh, Doug on the show, not long after he and Arnie set the record yeah, and uh, talking to yes. him, I just can't fathom what it would take to, to cut any of that time off. I'm sure it's possible because you know, it's the same mindset as the, uh, the guys in the seventies thinking you're never going to get under 30. Right. But do you think it can be broken? and, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and, And I, I wrote that question before this week, did you see the, uh, the uh, clip that Ed posted on ben Wiki about if you were going to do it now during the coronavirus uh, thing would probably be ideal because nobody's
3: out? So I've got a column of, and a video of my own pending on that topic, and I couldn't decide if it was like moral to publish it or not. Um, so the answer is, of course, now is the best time it's the best time in history. We may n- never see another opportunity like this. Um, most we, uh, we have no research or precedent to know how many factors are falling into place, but logically one can infer that most police are busy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
3: <laughs> and we can also infer that most police do not want to make any unnecessary stops right no. now. Mm. No, no. So, uh, now, um, we also know that I have heard from several states, I have friends who told me that, who work in law enforcement, they're not making traffic stops right now. Now, let's, so, let's take the other argument. If you're a cop, you see a vehicle at high speed um, without out state plates. Depending on who the cop is, they may say, I am not fucking pulling that car over <laughs> That's right? because the guy's probably, <laughs> this guy's a fucking virus yeah. bomb. No. Okay, yep. <laughs> but oh, oh, my God. Yeah. You, you might also get the cop who saw the movie 12 Monkeys, who says <laughs> this guy is going across for the sole purpose of spreading it. I'm going to take this fucking guy down.
0: <laughs> so, you know, so you're rolling um, the dice man just all right, rolling the so, dice.
3: <laughs> I mean in some ways it's the worst time to do it in a car without estate plates you know because the edge case I mean you, you know the term edge case outside context problem like it, the on any given night if an officer sees a car go by at high speed it might just be another asshole at high speed but this True. week uh, this week is the week where You don't, you just don't know. So we can assume more cops are not making stops and they're not on the road. We can also assume that any cop that is, is going to have a, he might have a special response for you and you're not going to like.
1: No, No. Uh, it might be coming at you at a high velocity. Yeah.
3: So um, the, then the other one, the, the other one is this and it's a moral one. So yeah. Doug and Arnie and uh, Ed Boley and these guys, these guys for, I think it's they're very devout people. These these are you know these are church going, family men, and very like upstanding moral sense. Did
1: did I understand this correctly? I think uh, Doug is a deacon at his church, isn't he? Oh,
3: and Ed is a like a Sunday school teacher. As you know, you know, Americans have a very long history of reconciling faith and outrageous behavior. Now,
2: <laughs>
3: Hallelujah. God bless them all. Now, uh, I happen to, I happen to lo- love and respect all these people, although I may not have always made that clear in the past, in Ed's case, um, but we have a lot more in common than, than not. And, um, and so the morality of doing a cannonball run the theirs and mine is the same on any day prior to this week, because we are trying to reduce the risk to other people. We're accepting the risk to ourselves, and we're trying to make sure that no one else gets hurt. Um, and if you get from one end of the country to the other without anything happening, your job is done. You can go home. No one's hurt. Now, this week, for all the reasons that we already know, coronavirus X, Y, and Z, we don't know. We don't know if every surface in the car is clean. We don't know if we touch a gas pump handle, if we're transmitting or receiving. We don't know if a police officer gets a report about us and as a result is diverted from something else to look into what we're doing. If that is the officer who might make the difference in saving a life. And this week, that matters a lot more than any other week because we know what statistics are for Everything happens in the world on any average night or week, and this week is not that week. So I think it's probably, for me, it's deeply, deeply immoral to take that chance this week because the glory of the cannonball isn't, oh, my God, it was the easiest day in the century to go, and I used it to break the record. The glory of the cannonball is everyone for 100 years has had the same problems I've had and overcame. And so now you got a free pass. Doesn't make you. It's to me. I wouldn't. I would never say it's cheating, but I would say it's unsportsmanlike. And I'd say the most. Yeah. The most best thing you could do as an American, as like a human being, especially as an American who believes in this legacy and this this myth, is play ball with everybody else, and don't put anyone else's lives at risk. Um, it's because there's no payoff, and
1: no, no, that's hugely insightful.
3: So. Um, uh, but i want to go so fucking bad i gotta say this i saw ed's video about it he spent half the video saying like, oh yeah but like i don't really want to go i just yeah t- i was totally fine when they broke the record i'm not interested let me tell you something when ed boat broke my time i was pissed <laughs> five years I, I didn't want to believe he did it i wanted evidence i bitched him on it to this day i think his evidence was shit but i fully <laughs> respect and acknowledge that he did it there's no question he did it and i was hallelujah when arnie broke his time i was like ah, it's awesome yeah, <laughs> there you go does it feel <laughs> so let us you know
1: not, You could have gotten a van and put CDC magnets on the side of it and probably just screamed it all you wanted.
3: Yeah. uh, So, yeah. I mean, let's not be too pious. (laughs) Um, We are competitive creatures. Now, there are also days I'm like, I'm a dad, and I want to come home, X, Y, and Z. But that little thing inside always wants to go. Um, I was considering going in uh, my Tesla. Because in a Tesla, the electric records are, uh, at this point, um, let me think. The electric records are 18 hours slower. Than oh, wow. The, the electric record today is what? It's 45 hours.
1: That's still pretty damn good, though.
3: It's pretty good. Uh, it's catching up with yeah. many and surpassing many of the old cannonball times. And I had the electric record at one point. And at 50 hours, that's 45. So you can get across at pretty safe speeds. Um, (laughs) And because you're charging at Tesla stations, um, you can, with very low volume of users, you can clean the pump handle. You know, they're much cleaner, I assume. So one could do it. You could stay in the car the whole time. Um, But I'm really busy, so I'm not (laughs) going.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we're, what if you got Elon Musk to be the person uh, behind it? You could get a sponsor
3: quietly. Yeah, one would think, at one point, Elon Musk was aware of my activities. Cause I went, I set the electric record three times. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and one time I did it in a press car, and he had to know. I mean, they're monitoring the car's locations in real time, they know where the cars are. You did it in a uh, press car? Yeah. Um, That's hilarious. That was the last time they (laughs) gave me a press car. How about that? And after that, every company taking that
1: guy off the list.
3: Every company that offered me a press car after that made me put in writing that I would not not do anything like that. No. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We're speaking to Alex Roy, auto journalist, uh, founder of the Human Driving Association, car guy extraordinaire. Uh, it's been years since you set your record. Why make Apex, uh, the secret race across America? Uh, why release it now? And uh, has it been in production since okay. you set your record?
3: If you, I believe you're referring to the second best car documentary yes. of all time, after Senna, I believe <laughs> this is the film you're referring to. Um, so this the Apex story is this. Um,
1: Honestly, I hadn't ranked Senna that high.
3: Really. <laughs> what,
1: what is, <laughs> Really, well, was I, good. I, I
3: naturally thought yours was first. Well, that's you know, you're you're a nice guy like you. Uh, <laughs> dinner, dinner on me, nailed it. Um, the thing, the problem with with uh, the thing about Senna, which is problematic for me, is that the guy is so fucking likable. <laughs> damn it. and I, don't, I i i'm just not as likable as that guy and that is the problem with apex <laughs> otherwise apex is a better movie so so yeah. the the um uh the movie should have come out in 2007 uh, a year after we did the record and my book came out um There were creative differences among the filmmakers and investors, and that dragged out for years. Um, There were some creative issues, there were some legal issues, and when they were resolved, it was 2017. It was a long time. So uh, it is probably uh, better that it came out so many years later because everybody involved has more perspective and has grown up. And I think if it had come out at the time that we might have seen more glorification of it and that maybe a negative way and inspired more people to do dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the movie uh, was eventually, uh, the, the final edit was completed by J.F. Musial, um, who uh, start, completed the work begun by Corey Wells, the original producer and director of, of the film who without her, I never would have done any of this. She, in 2000, began research into this race called the U.S. Express, which was a secret race successor to the Cannonball Run mm-hmm. from 1980 to 1983, which had completely fallen to, into obscurity. So she began making the film in 2000. I met her in 2005. I saw what she had done. We went together cross-country, shot that. And then for the ne- for many years after that, the investors in the film couldn't agree about what the movie should be about. Should it be about the Express? Should it be about what we did? Nobody could agree. And eventually, it took a long time to sort it out. Corey and I uh, agreed um, to as what it should be. JF came in to complete the film. JF had done the first Apex movie, which is called The Story of the Hypercar. And uh, Apex, which is his new media company, is basically a, is, is a uh, media outlet focusing on the best of whatever it is. If it moves from A to B and people are inside it, Apex will make a movie about it. Cool. If the first movie was about the hypercar. The sequel is about uh, driving cross country. Uh, and they're doing stuff, you know, in space and at sea and other stuff. So that's the story of how Apex came to be. Um, it, it, is, it was a labor of love. Um, I literally set my life savings on fire to make this movie. I mean, <laughs> on fire. And it, I mean, whatever I could afford to do 15 years ago, huh, all of it went into this film. And uh, I'm really proud of everybody who was involved. Uh, and I mean, I guess someday, 50 years from now, people will look back and there, I think there are going to be more records set faster than ours but I don't think yeah. anyone will ever be as ambitious and stupid as I was. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and not only in doing it, but in investing one's, a lot of, uh, I mean, I didn't put up all the money. I put up a lot of money, putting my own money into it and like basically like betting my life and career on this thing. Now along, huge along
1: the lines of putting your own money into this, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to know how in a world did you get iced tea to narrate it?
3: I, I'm afraid I really can't tell that story. Uh, oh, I'll put you this way: J.F. Mutual uh, changed Ice T's tire in 2005 on the Bull Run <laughs> Rally, and J.F.'s a very nice guy, and Ice T is very nice guy. And so, 15, 16 years later, 15 years later, J. As I understand it, J.F. calls him and says, "I've made a movie that is going to be one of the. It's one of the greatest." craziest movies that will ever be made about cars. And there'll never be another movie like this. And Ice-T says, that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> 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 sounds like bullshit. So the the story I was told is that they showed him the movie and that when he saw it, he's like, wow, like that movie is crazy. And and, and then he did it in one take. Oh my so, God, uh, that's You see,
0: I was expecting it to be a story about you back in your uh, police uniform and the blow up doll. And that's why you couldn't talk Um, about
3: it. (laughs) it No, no, it's much more innocent. I mean, uh, you know, it's amazing how many people saw the film over the years and were like, I can't believe this footage exists. How can I help you? And uh, as a result, like, we got, you know, some people were very excited to help us, but we also, the film got rejected by a number of, like, the big. Uh, Alex, mostly because it, it shows criminal behavior and we got away with it. Uh,
2: <laughs> Alex, uh I, I loved, I loved it so much that right after I watched it, I bought it, watched it the first time I just hit play and watched it the second time writing again.
3: Thank you. Um, what was your favorite part? Cause mine isn't what people think.
2: Um, learning about the history. Um, Agreed. Of the Cannonball Run, and then as it got into uh, basically the from eight from the '80s to '83, about all that stuff that happened that I knew nothing about. I was like, "Wow, my mind was yeah, blown."
3: that's so. to if I if I could make another movie, it w- I wouldn't be in it at all. It would be just the Express races. It would there'd be four four movies, one for each year uh, before these guys all die, um, and at the end of the movie, there's a big tribute section uh, for the guys that were lost. I met many of them before they passed away. And I'd like to see pretty a cool. whole movie about the guy in the motorcycle. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, like,
2: because, that was pretty interesting. I, I tripped when I first saw it. I was like, wow, there was a guy that did that on a motorcycle?
3: That's just, that's crazy. So, oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, just crazy. I, I can't imagine.
1: And uh, this, doing a long ride on a motorcycle is so much tougher on you than being in a car. And I don't think most people realize how bad that'll batter yet.
3: Yeah. And harder then than now, because now the times are falling. Um, I think that when cannonball times were like 33 to 38 hours, were really crazy because that sucks. <laughs> 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 and on a motorcycle, they're 40 hours, 45 hours. Like, yeah, I'd rather, oh my God. Oh, you know, actually yeah. the story i always wanted to see is, uh, a guy named John Ryan uh, in 2005 or six, 2008 or nine I was no, 200910 I was in a very dark period of my life very depressed never leaving the house I was drinking it was a very very dark period and I got a phone call from a guy named John Ryan who says he wants to come to see me in New York and he arrives he was tall and handsome and he was wearing like a, a NASA astronauts um, like practice suit them with like pockets. You put weights <laughs> in the pockets to simulate um, you know, like tension uh, and you would train and that's how you'd get your muscles like stronger and Then they'd get like underwater in the suits. And then yeah. eventually they go to space and then all their muscles would be like, I guess it, their bodies would be like trained to operate in like, difficult environments. These heavy suits. And so he came to my house with a, a Yamaha cruising bike which had like a half an oil drum welded to the top of it as a supplemental fuel tank. (laughs) This guy says to me, he says, "Uh, Alex, you're my hero. Um, I just did something I want to tell you about. You're the first person to know. I'm like, what is it? He's like, I just drove from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska to Key West in 87 hours.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I'm God. I'm I'm like,
3: you are crazy. They like, say, no, yeah. man, you're crazy. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> So, um, So we, we became friendly. and we, yeah, He was a bouncer in a bar in Jersey. He was a very mellow, gentle man in my experience and a really sweet man. And he volunteered to teach you to ride a motorcycle because I suck. And we lost touch. And several years later, um, I read that there was a book being written about him called The Man Who Would Stop at Nothing. And I learned that he had been hit and killed by a woman using her cell phone texting oh, in broad daylight in New Jersey on the interstate. And this absolutely broke my heart. And if I was gonna, if I was gonna launch my own illegal race, <laughs> uh, in, inspired by Von Ryan's Express, the movie with Steve McQueen in World War II as the uh, Air Force <laughs> officer. <who clears throat> escape w- train to get out of Italy. Uh, I would call this race. John Ryan's express. <laughs>
1: oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, Very cool.
3: Yeah. This guy, he, he had held many endurance riding records, The iron, Butt challenge. He won it multiple times. And he's like, he's like one of these like unknown, heroic, decent people that who like is like the best of America. Like the politics, just forget politics this is the kind of person that like, we need more people like
0: this. Yeah.
1: Um, Agreed.
0: Yeah,
3: so
1: uh, if there's one thing you would want everyone to know about you that we haven't touched on so far, what is it?
3: Oh, I mean, I'm um, a lot nicer
0: than what would have I'm a good kisser. I like walks on the beach.
3: <laughs> I'm a lot sweeter than 99% of the things I do and say suggest. <laughs>
1: oh,
2: nice, nice. There's,
1: um, there's so much more that we want to cover with you, Alex. We're going to have to have you back. You've got so sure. much to talk about. Uh, we need to... Uh, have you back so we can talk about what you're doing with Argo AI right now? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And the Human Driving Association. And like I said, you've just got such a deep resume; it's tough to get to all of it.
3: Oh, that's very sweet. So, if I may just plug, Apex Secret Race is out now um, on uh, iTunes, and, 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 and it's excellent.
1: And, everybody needs to see it. Yeah. And it's on Amazon as well.
3: Yes. So, um,
1: yes, at, Amazon. That's where I bought it. So, Alex, thank you so very much. We've been speaking to Alex Roy about his life with cars, uh, his cannonball record, Apex, The Secret Race Across America, the documentary about his record-setting run. It's available on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. You can find all of Alex's social media links uh, and also links to the Human Driving Association (laughs) that we didn't even get to. Everything will be on readthedriven.com. Be sure to check out his podcast, the Autonocast. Uh, Alex, thank you so very much for being with us. We really appreciate you taking the time.
3: Of course. Thanks so much, guys.
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to driven radio. Uh, we love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us everywhere. Uh, you listen to find podcasts. You can find us on uh acast stitcher google play itunes and you can also find us at readthedriven.com and driven show.com. for alex roy uh mark groves and Corey pratt i'm brett hatfield thank you very much and we'll see you next time here on driven radio